I will everybody said about the bird. Grown men watch this shit. A podcast about indie wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Grown Men Watch This Shit. We do indeed. Uh, welcome, everybody. It's great to have you back uh, again. Uh, it's great to be back. I'm uh, Chris, Chris Things, Chris Bryant, joined as always by my lovely co-host, uh, Mr. Jeremy, Mr. Uh, James Vanderbeek. How's it going, my friend? Going, going well. Some people call me Uncle Beak online. I like that as well. Um, actually, no, going well is bullshit. I'm lying. I've actually yeah. had a gout flare-up recently, so I've been in a lot of pain, barely able to walk. Uh, all the pain is kind of centralized to my pinky toe right now, so that Ugh. especially sucks since there's a small area that hurts like a motherfucker. Hmm. But yeah, gout is a son of a bitch. I've cut off beer, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I've now, lost is a that bit like a that. bit of a temporary thing, or is that like a full full stop for the foreseeable future? Well, it's a full stop. Uh, I plan to maybe occasionally partake in one or two here or there, but I can't drink beer like I did because it's fucking me up. So I switched over to ciders. Um, they suck. I hate cider. Um, <laughs> hard A is the better way to go. But the, I mean, I like how everything I'm doing is to figure out a way to continue drinking, not yeah. resolve to not drink at all. But, you know, whatever. Mm, I mean, we, we want um, resolutions that, that we can you know, actually do things with. We don't want to be doing things here that are unrealistic, such as stopping yeah. food full stop. Well, it's ridiculous. It's mm. insane. Silly, silly, silly. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so- uh, it, it's weird how we, we automatically jump into the, yeah, good, good. It's like, wait a minute. No, not good. Why do we do <laughs> yeah. that? What am I talking about? <laughs> yeah. It's because it's we're like, I don't necessarily want to complain, but hey, it's it's way more fun to talk about the real shit that's going on that might suck than just saying, oh, it's good. Let's continue. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> it's like, all right, yeah, no. this is where the person says that they are good, and then this is where you say you are good, and then you continue on to the, yeah. I don't like it. Yeah, in, in America, people a lot of time will say, what's up? And then the reply from the other person will be, what's up? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I can relate to that. I'm guilty of doing the sup. Absolutely myself. nothing has been discussed. What's up? What's up? All right. Yeah. Yeah, they really nothing streamlined the whole process. Sup? Sup? <laughs> yep, give a little nod. Yep, all right, proceed. Yep. <laughs> I'm not concerned with what's actually sup, sir. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, indeed. We got shit to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I had a, a good uh, yesterday. I went. Uh, have you ever been axe throwing, my friend? I have. I've seen it, but I know I have never done so. I don't feel like I, I might be able to pull it off, but it seems dangerous drinking and axe throwing. Yeah, well, that was the combo that I went with. I was definitely. Um, I made sure to start drinking the beer before I started throwing the axes, and then um, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's is it. Is it Kind of a thing over there. It's like sort of really blowing up. There's all these axe throwing clubs in the the greater Brisbane region right now. That's crazy. Yeah, is this a thing that's getting popular in the the Washington, Seattle area too? 
I have heard someone mention it. I'm not here when I was in Seattle, but down when we were in California, somebody mentioned it. But uh, I imagine if it's taking off anywhere, it's going to be reaching across. We love trendy shit up here in Seattle, so mm. probably someone will probably put a bar together. I actually, I did throw some axes recently playing Ooh. Red Dead Redemption. Oh, throwing axes all over the place. <laughs> I see the the digital axes. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, it's uh, no, it was Much actually really good. Um, I I was not sure how I would do it all. Um, and then, yeah, we went along and had a, a free axe throwing day is like the, the, this new one opening up and yeah, really fun little setup that wood chips on the floors is really nice smell of fresh wood all, all throughout the place. And that yeah, awesome. had a, a tasty pale ale in hand and, and yeah, I just went for my first throw and got it like just perfectly like, Oh my gosh, this is my, my calling. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it proceeded to go really well. There's like different sizes of axes. You can do like the the medium size axe, or there's like this big boy, big uh, almost like a Viking axe that you have to do double handed, or there are these little <laughs> dainty axes that are almost like like throwing knives. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of fun. At the end, we resolved that we may actually join up the um, the, the weekly. Uh, axe throwing uh, team playoffs club. <laughs> so it's like you know, you got a bowling team, but you got an axe throwing team. Yeah, you gotta wear axe body spray. Mm, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That'd be funny. Show up like axe throwing, axe wearing. I'm here. Uh, do you guys like throw into a, like a big slab of like a half a wood or something, or like a big wedge of wood? Yeah, yeah. They've got this big wood deal down the end with like target and and that, and then uh, yeah, you you can sort of you have a bit of a game. It was cool because they have um, a two person alley so you get to like be next to your mate and you throw at the same time uh you have to make sure you don't go past the line when uh throwing is still active you know like uh like bow and arrow kind of rules kind of thing sure but uh yeah so at the same time a uh bowling they they are against the same time throwing so non, unlike bowling you could do it at the same time interesting you don't feel like you're throwing your pal off by standing right there I don't know. It was almost like a bit of a motivating factor. And then when you get towards the, the end, it's like we did it for live uh, for like a point score kind of thing. So it's like a best of five deal with the points that you get for the different, you know, how how on target you are. And mm. uh, yeah, I, I won a beer from my, my uh, other good friend, Clint. Um, having won a game, I, I quite enjoyed that. So, Suck yeah. on that, Clint. Yeah, it was a close game as well. He's he had the the early lead, and then I took over, and then he went for the hail mary and, and fucked it up, and I won. So yeah, it's good. <laughs> Very nice. Good times. Would recommend. Um, outside of that, uh, I, I have been watching a a little bit of wrestling. Shockingly, if you'd believe oh, it. Oh, mm. interesting. Yeah, on my palate, um, mostly from from. The, the other last episode where you were raving about how good um, Impact's been recently, I, I did a bit of a, a dive into there. Uh, I went into the, the shows in the lead-up to their Slammiversary show, which I, mm-hmm. I heard the Slammiversary ones, you know, one of the best shows they've done in yonks, as we say in Australia. Um, and it was fantastic. Like, both the lead-up shows uh, were quite good. Um, there was always at least one match on each episode of Impact, where it'd just be like a kick-ass match, most of the time with like Phoenix or Pentagon Junior or Rich Swan or like you know they've got so many awesome dudes there these days, and then sure. 
uh, that that storyline that we were talking about between uh, the LAX OGs and the new LAX with Santana and Ortiz. Uh, awesome, so well done. Uh, yeah. I, I they the ran over the little kid. Yeah, I, I don't think I saw that bit, but I think I've seen that as well. But this is where they oh, actually man. did the actual uh, thing where Conan finds out that uh, that uh, Kingston put a hit out on him, and um, then uh, Kingston brings back the, the OG version of uh, LAX to uh, attack the new version and Conan and. Yeah, quite dastardly stuff. And and their match yeah, they cool. had at Slammiversary was, was really fun. Um, if people haven't seen much of the, the new LAX, Santana and Ortiz, or uh, I think they're, they're called like EYFBO or some sort of variation of letters in Beyond Wrestling, uh, teaming with uh, Chris Dickinson and uh, those Pazuzu dudes. Uh, yeah, they're, they're so good. Uh, I heard they, they've had a match in progress now. They were on the last PWG. They sound like they're really blowing up. They're actually going to be at the next Defy show against uh, local champions, the Guns, Mike Santiago and Ethan HD. So, yeah, we're going to be able to – down in Portland, they have a show at the Hawthorne Theater and Defy does, nice. and that's where LAX will be making their debut. Awesome. Yeah, everyone everyone, yes. get on that. They're uh, so talented. Yeah, Impact is fucking great, man. They've been really kind of going back to what ROH was, where they just constantly brought in all kinds of new, hot, independent talent and just featured them uh, and put them over really well. Like, they just brought in Jordan Grace, who's one of like, the hotter females on the indie scene right now, mm. um, and just constantly bringing new people in. And it doesn't seem like force, where they're just like on there to get buried real quick and then leave. They actually, everyone looks good. Everyone has interesting storylines and... Um, it's like a great yeah, the balance have where showed that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a great balance where they've got the dudes that are under contract, and then the guys that are just in for for one offs. And mm-hmm. it's just there's a freshness there because you've got like you know dudes that just might be here for for one set of tapings, and then they might be doing their own thing or, or whatnot. Uh, we're seeing a lot of AAA guys come through and Lucha Underground kind of talent coming through, which is very cool. And um, yeah, I think. Uh, I actually fucking was really impressed by um, Austin Aries in like his new uh, heel role. Cause before I'd, I'd seen him in the Impact where he like did the comeback uh, from the WWE run, and he was in the babyface thing. But I think Austin Aries so fits that piece of shit heel champion role to a T. Hey, reminded me a lot yeah, of like neat. um like almost like a Ric Flair kind of champion. Like he had this awesome main event at Summerversary against Moose who's also gotten way, way better. And, yeah, just really reminded me of, like, a old-school Ric Flair traveling champion kind of thing. I, I love Austin Aries at the moment. Yes, since then, I don't, I'm not sure if it's, like, an angler or whatever, but Piers Austin, like, is not even with the company now, which is interesting. Um, but, yeah, they put together Moose. I don't know if you've seen since then, like, Moose had – did a heel turn. Now oh, he's no. with Aries. Moose was such yeah, a good dude. baby face. I can't believe yeah, that. He, turned, he went against, he attacked Eddie Edwards and Killer Cross and uh, Eddie, I apologize, uh, Killer Cross and Moose and Aries are like a group together, but I guess that's over now that Aries is gone. Uh, well, but I think I Killer Cross that, is also a highlight. I heard that just saying that with the Austin Aries, people thought he was gone, but he's actually, um, you know, they're, they're doing almost like a Brian Pillman type of thing 
where yeah, it's like made... he's he's there, you know, and they're still really high on him, but they're trying to give people the impression that he's he's on the outs, you know, for controversy and such. And that weird um, yeah, shoot yeah, thing that they did in so the dumb, finish of, of Bound for Glory with him, like, you know, getting up and no-selling after the finish or whatever. Yeah, for me, the, I, that kind of bit is so ridiculous. Like, there's no it's very point like, in, like Russo hey, late '90s. Hey, like the the Hogan thing with Jarrett at uh, Bash at the Beach, like that kind of shtick. That's dumb. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Get it, might, it, it could go somewhere. I just don't like Aries. I guess it doesn't mind taking the heat, but he just comes off as a complete dickhead. Like, I don't understand trying to get him over that way. Like, ooh, loose cannon it doesn't come off that way at all. Like you're not duplicating the magic that Brian Pillman had, unfortunately. At the same time, I feel like Ares is one of the few guys to where people legitimately think he's a piece of shit. And okay. so he's got like more heat than like 99% of, um, of the other guys. Cause people actually you know, have, have gone that little bit further and thinking, Oh no, he's, he's actually really a piece of shit. You know, kind of yeah, like yeah. that Sammy Callahan hate. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And that man, uh, Slammiversary, holy shit! That uh, mask versus hair match with Pentagon Junior and Sammy Callahan was like that was fucking brutal. So great! It was one of the, probably one of my best matches I've seen this year. Uh, I'm, I was so all about that. The bit where they had the the spikes and they were like exchanging, like stabbing one another in their head with these <laughs> fucking spikes. Oh. So many great bits. I, I loved everything about that match. Yeah, like I said, I, people probably still, there's a stink on it just because they're so hit and miss when it comes to the programming, let alone the matches themselves. But yeah, TNA, give it a look, man. It's fucking great right now. Impact. Impact, sir. We don't call it TNA Whatever. anymore. Whatever. Impact. <laughs> TNA. Yeah. Good I, stuff. Uh, you're right. It's not like I ever say WWF anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's I'm good. I'm just staunch. Um, I'm WWF looking forward to bitch. seeing where they go. Mm, get the f out. Whatever. Oh shit! Uh, we forgot our David Arquette watch off the top. So boop, 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 boop. The only interesting news I saw recently was, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, David Arquette gets blamed for killing WCW and how. Putting the title on him, they said, was kind of the death knell, and a lot of people in the company even hated him for that. But Ric Flair came out recently and said, uh, you know, or no, actually apologize. David Arquette came out recently and said one of the people that came up after he won and really put him over was Rick, saying, hey, this guy's one of us, you guys. There's like, and I guess that really meant a lot to him. I guess it would to anybody, but it's interesting that somebody so ingrained in the history of wrestling is willing to put David Arquette over. But so this was at the this same was time, way back when when he actually originally won the strap in like '99, was it? Um, anybody? When when Flair put him over, it wasn't like Flair more recently putting him over. He was saying when he actually won it back then, Flair was real positive on him, defending him and stuff. Is that it? Correct. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I could see you know people in current day, you know, defending it, sounding cool, but it's it's cool that that Rick was there defending him way back when, when you'd really think that Rick would be one of those people that would be like, oh, that's it. This company's gone to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, it's not like he was never vocal about his distaste for what the company would do. You know, he was always pretty uh, outspoken, um, walking away at times when he didn't like the direction. So I I don't know. You you never say he was particularly a company man in WCW. No, I actually listened to a bunch of really interesting stuff with um, Jerry Jarrett. 
mm-hmm. um, who had uh, a really good interview with um, on uh, Hannibal.tv with uh, uh, Hannibal dude with the hepatitis from Ghoul the Butcher, all that thing. And he has a bunch of good um, interview content up on his YouTube. But yeah, he had one with Jerry Jarrett. And in addition to a bunch of other interesting stuff he spoke about, uh, one of them was actually about Rick during that the WCW run where they got Jerry to come in um, to maybe like have a look at things, give some feedback. I don't know whether he was maybe going to come on board um, to, to be Booker or something like that. And apparently him and Rick had like mad heat going back to uh, Memphis. And yeah, like um, Rick saw him. He came out of the booking room, saw Jerry, just looked at him, turned around, went straight back into the booking room, and then Jerry said he could just hear, like, chairs being thrown against walls, <laughs> yelling, and this, that, the other. Um, basically, I guess Rick would not too high on the idea that um, Jerry was going to be, be, you know, coming back into WCW at that point. And Jerry apparently was like, no, no, don't tell, tell Rick he's fine. I won't be coming in. This isn't a thing. <laughs> and then, yeah, apparently Bischoff was then pissy because he wanted him to maybe come in and he didn't want Rick to be blocking this stuff and this, that, and the other. But, yeah, crazy how much heat, like, two dudes who you overall look at them and the history of wrestling is you'd think, you know, Ric Flair and Jerry Jarrett are two of the smartest guys going, but sometimes those personalities just clash and, and whatnot. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was a pretty funny little little anecdote he also had a bunch of stuff uh he went really in depth about his uh his uh frayed relationship with with jeff um during that that tna run and where they didn't talk to one another for like years because of it and yeah crazy interesting involved the russian mafia everyone needs to get what? on this yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah yeah. What did Nikolai uh, Volkov have to do with this? Oh well, the the actual thing was um, who was the the Russian dude that Jerry brought into WWF? He was mm. really high on. He was like this big jacked up Russian dude that had a bit of success there for a while. WWE. This is maybe like two th- mid two thousands. Vladimir. Yeah, yeah, Vladimir Kozlov. So uh, yeah. Jerry brought him in because. His, uh, he was tight with this, like, basically the Russian mafia in New York and was going to start a new wrestling thing with their money awesome. as, like, a backup because of how much of a fucking idiot Dixie was in TNA at the time. So this was going to be his thing where him and Jeff could leave TNA, you know, start their own thing with this Russian mafia money and uh, really get it going. So uh, part of it was him doing a favor to the Russians because uh, they had this guy who was like a former Sambo champion and wanted to get into pro wrestling, had no experience whatsoever. And uh, they were like, oh, hey, can you help him get his career started? You know, it's like, yeah, all right. And he tried to get uh, Dixie to give him like a you know contract to, to start training and, and all that. And apparently mm-hmm. she's like, no, we cannot afford $500 a week. <laughs> for new talent. So fucking Dixie fucked it. And then he's like, well, fuck you. I'm going to take this guy up to Vince. So he gave Vince a call and he's like, hey, God, this guy could be really good. Vince is like, yeah, bring him up. And then uh, the rest was history. But then apparently yeah, they man. did like that photo bit that got a bit of controversy back in the day where it was like, ooh, Jerry Jarrett is, is bringing this Russian to WWF and he's him shaking hand with Vince McMahon and then Dixie and the Panda Energy people got really pissy about that. 
feeling like it was making them feel bad. But uh, yeah, and then, the, and then that's makes how. Makes me think there'd be an awesome Russian wrestling federation ran by Jerry Jones. <laughs> is it where Rusev? Uh, this uh, is Ruski Wrestling Federation. I, I was really just wondering what happened to this potential, you know, Russian mafia backed wrestling. This could have been amazing. Yeah. Uh, World Circle Championship Wrestling. Bring back, uh, like you got Ivan Koloff. You know, Nikita Koloff could have could have had a sweet Crusher Khrushchev. Oh yeah, how can we forget about Crusher Khrushchev? <laughs> every every guy who's just not a Russian guy gets a new Russian name. <laughs> Man, hearing Nikita Koloff talk in his like really nice guy Minnesota accent when it's like you're used to Nikita and his crazy Russian yelling is the fucking best thing yeah. ever. Man. Dude, uh, I always like the Russian gimmicks. I made me think if there'd be a It'd be cool to like do one nowadays where it was like a guy who seemed like he was an all American guy, but really he was like a sleeper cell that was pre programmed by the Russians. Ooh. So like when the bell when the bell went off, all of a sudden he was like a Russian guy, kinda of like the Festus <laughs> the Festus thing. So he started just stomping around and then when the bell went off again, he'd be like go back to normal. I, I know it's ridiculous and silly, but I love that shit in wrestling. That sounds amazing. The Russian sleeper cell. Yeah, and he doesn't know it. He doesn't even remember his actions at all. It's, it's basically exactly. like, like, like the, show video, video like the Zoolander like, gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when I go back and watch like any of the um, mid-80s uh, Crockett stuff, like that, that shit's so great. Um, all Just the whole like presentation, the, the promos, Everything. They're just the old school southern uh, fucking wrestling TV is the best. But yeah, one of my favorite parts is always the the Russians and yeah, and Nikita and Uncle Ivan as the the dastardly Russians with Krusha Khrushchev. Khrushchev, so great. Good stuff. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also wanted to make sure that we hit on uh, as we are recording this uh, podcast on a. Um, Sunday morning for me, uh, Saturday afternoon for you, or are we into the evening over there? I'd say it's e- it's evening now, 5.23 to be exact, in the mm-hmm. pre-evening. Mm-hmm. The pre-evening. The pre-evening. Pre- pre-evening. Uh, yeah, there was a great news story that I, I read just this morning, actually, um, in the, the world of Mexican wrestling. Uh, I'm not mm. sure if uh, many players at home have been following this um this uh, Mexican uh, mid-America uh, caravan of, of migrants that's that's been traveling its way up in all of the world of controversy and the you know, piece of shit presidents, um, you know, uh, hey, racist comments and such. Hey, that's my president you're talking about there. Oh. oh. Okay, go on. Go on. I like it. Indeed. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, all of the... the dumb controversy about saying how these, you know, basically asylum seekers are, um, are invading, you know, they're, they're, or, or who knows what kind of horrible backgrounds they're from and, and actually, of you know, people spreading words that they're, they're actually terrorists, you know, and, and, <laughs> oh, such bullshit. However, um, it, it's, it's awesome and the support that they've gotten uh, in, in Mexico um, and from a lot of the leaders uh, down there in, in the Latin American countries has been great to see um, with all the controversy of um, Peña Nieto. He actually uh, came out in, in support of them um, in, in providing them uh, some sort of asylum in, in Mexico itself in certain areas. So that was great. But uh, where it connects with the world of Mexican wrestling was that uh, El Fantasma, 
who was a, a Lucha Libre legend and also a high name in the Athletic Commission down there, the, the Boxing and Lucha Libre Commission, where he actually still wears his mask for all of these official um, uh, events and things that Love he's that overseeing trip. for the actual government, which is just amazing. amazing. The, the, yes. you know, the mask and suit combo is, is forever a great look for me. Um, Agreed. And his his son, El Ijo del Fantasma, recently lost his mask, uh, sadly. But um, he also has a, a job in the government down there in addition to being a, uh, a wrestler. Um, but yeah, El Fantasma uh, actually uh, put on a, a show uh, between, uh, I think, uh, AAA and uh, Lucha Libre Boom. Um, they put on like a combined show just for the the migrant caravan people which i thought was was fantastic like when when you to, have to watch the show or yeah. money to give to them well uh, both i think just to to support them uh some of the, the people who were supporting this endeavor were saying that the idea of it is to keep their spirits up and to you know keep the the, the, the fighting spirit that they're they're facing on this journey um by watching the the lucha libre and yeah I just thought that was so wait, hang on, so hang cool. on, hang on. They found out where they were going to be. Like, all right, so in about 30 minutes, they're going to be here. So we should get over there, set a ring up, and then when they arrive, we'll be here ready to wrestle for them. And they'll be like, all right, here, we'll hang out and watch you guys wrestle. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I think they, <laughs> they put shit. it on pretty much, yeah, for them. It's like, all right, they're going to be around here. We're going to put on this show on uh, here for them. And, and, yeah, they'll just get to um, – because imagine, like, how, how much awful shit they're having to go through to have, like, a little bit of a reprieve from that and, like, just have the fun of watching – wrestling well, i know but it's just insane that also like imagine being the group of mega workers no idea that they're about to come upon a wrestling show like you're <laughs> on this treacherous walk trying to seek asylum in another country then all you like on the hill what is, is that lucha libre <laughs> it's a mirage <laughs> and they run up and they go and they find out it's real like there's churros and lucha and oh man that'd be amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and like as much of as Lucha Libre is such a huge part of the, the culture as well, it's got to be like a, a, a pretty, just a really nice thing for them, I, I think. And um, just overall, it's it's great to see that, um, you know, people are, are doing what they can to actually support these people in need rather than, you know, calling them down and calling them calling them um, invaders and such. Yeah, that's fucking bullshit. Mm. Oh, shit. <laughs> Davis's uh, theme music was still left in yeah. from the last episode. <laughs> so I made a little <laughs> bit of a run in here. I'm not sure whether it'll actually make it uh, onto the, the recording. but uh, I imagine so, because I could hear it. Yeah. Oh, well. We'll see. <laughs> I really good. like Run the Jewels. Run the Jewels is fun. Oh, they're great. So I've, been, I've been a big fan of LP for a while before he even hooked up with Mike. So when uh, all of a sudden they had this group together, I was like, well, it's no shit that these two together would make some fucking dope music. Yeah, and I've been a, a fan of Killer Mike for a long time as well because uh, Killer Mike was actually a big wrestling fan. And for ages, yep. I remember him like dropping uh, wrestling lyrics and things like that. I think he did a, a song about Ric Flair like ages back. Um, yeah, Killer Mike's good. If, if you haven't. Yeah, I'll cast all those Dungeon Family guys. Are, they're fucking dope as shit. Yeah, yeah, definitely check out some uh, Killer Mike's pre-Run the Jewels stuff. I think you'll you'll quite enjoy it. Indeed. Indeed. Um, 
Well, I just wanted to touch base on some stuff that maybe is not necessarily super important, but interesting. Um, so apparently, former ROH World Heavyweight Champion Morishima, um, big motherfucker, everyone remembers, apparently got into a fight with his cab driver, refused to pay the fare, and then gets arrested for assault. I mm. Who's going to argue with that guy? Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, it, um... yeah, go ahead. Go about your day. Right? <laughs> Imagine being that poor cab driver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, just fractured a, cheekbone, I guess, is what he, had, he walked away with. Remembering the, the visual just of, of Morishima during his ROH world title run. He was he's a girthy big lad motherfucker right there. And uh yeah, I don't I don't think that's a dude that you you wanna um argue this out with, you know? No, no. He's like built like Built like Stan Hansen, and then like even a little bit bigger than that motherfucker, and also Japanese strong style. So you know he's taking your fucking head off. But in, in an actual argument, like he's actually mad at a guy. He's not even working. Yeah, yeah. that'd be scary as fuck. Yeah, I, when I first read it, I kind of was like had a little bit of a giggle. But then the, the more I read into it, the more it just just kind of became like a sad, depressing scenario overall. Um, yeah. cause apparently this isn't like new behavior for him and he's just kind of known in that area for being a bit of a, a bad drunk who doesn't have money and kind of like leans on his former pro wrestling fame to get people to pay for his bills and, you know, pay for his cabs and stuff like that. And apparently he went to this Apparently place. just a bully. Yeah, a bit. I mean, I think from what I read, he's not necessarily a bad guy, but one of those guys that just turns into a bit of a dickhead when drunk. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, it's kind of sad. He did you hear about when he was in the news and talks of a a wrestling comeback uh, a couple of months ago? Yeah, I did. That's what I was excited about. And then I mm. really because the first one I saw the news clipping about him getting arrested, I was saw his name and I didn't know what was going on. And then I saw oh fucking arrest. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, no good. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, because so what was, happened with the comeback? Well, he was all set to come back. He um, sort of quietly retired a few years ago due to complications from diabetes and things like that. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. he's a bit of a, a big lad, as we've mentioned, so I'm not sure if that sort of like had something to do with it. I know he had a, a bunch of injuries, but it was the, the diabetes that sort of like put the, the stop on it. Um, but then, yeah, he'd, he'd come to a couple of wrestling shows, and then it was announced that he was actually going to be uh, coming back for a uh, you know full full stage comeback and he had a, a show announced um by Ricky Choshu's company where his his return was like the main featured part of it and it was all going to be a big thing looked like he was going to be coming back to Noah as well everyone's very excited and then next thing you read it's like oh uh actually he's he's got another injury in training for this comeback and he's not actually going to be able to come back at this time so his comeback shows have been uh, for the moment, cancelled, and we'll, we'll see what happens next. So, I mean, I was just hoping well, that, that... Could definitely does be, be, lead to him being angry, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I was hoping that this, you know, he'd sort of get past this injury and then proceed into the, the comeback. But, yeah, this this latest bit of news is definitely no good. And that stuff, uh, as much as, like, in America and over here, you, you read it, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's wrestlers being wrestlers. Uh, in Japan, it's like a lot more of a fine line of of uh, bad public behavior that's taken a lot more seriously. So, yeah. Well, yeah, they fucking, uh, you heard what happened with Taka, right? What was that? 
Takamichinoku you heard about happening oh, with him? Oh, yeah. So apparently, and more news for, for you uh, listeners at home, uh, Takamichinoku, former uh, Kaintai star in WWF. Indeed. Uh, in addition to uh, big-time star for Michinoku Pro, uh, all, all over the place. Pretty much a veritable legend and, and very, very fun part of uh, Suzuki Gun is the the mouthpiece of Zack Sabre Jr. in New Japan, where it's fantastic. Uh, apparently, he has gotten into some, some trouble for uh, having a, a long-term uh, adulterous relationship where he was... Was, was he with uh, someone who was cheating on her husband? Was that the story? I believe that is the case. I only re- agree... I only gleamed over it briefly because I sometimes I... That kind of seedy shit, I don't think needs to be reported in news, but it's so so heavy in Japan. Like it's yeah. family shame or whatever. So he's like been fired or removed from his ownership of the company, even. Yeah, bizarre. Especially yeah, Kaintai Jojo is like the main um, company that he uh, basically works for full time. While with New Japan, he's more on a freelance basis. So that's like his home home company. And yeah, Kaintai Dojo is like completely separated. Um, all connection to him, so that's it's a pretty hard line stance there for for poor Taka for um, yeah, apparently doing not so uh, good things with a uh, a man's wife, I guess. This illustrates your point more that how much they take that kind of you know image stuff so important. Like they, it really is concerning. Like in over here, America. Somebody cheats on somebody and be like, oh, that's shitty, but, you know, you're not going to lose your job for it. <laughs> well, it brings me back to, like, in America uh, back in the, the mid-90s where um, Vince McMahon was actually paying for uh, holidays to Hawaii for Tammy or Sonny and uh, and Shawn Michaels for her to cheat on um, Chris Candido with Shawn. Uh, while having all expenses paid for for a, a holiday to Hawaii, so that's a yeah. little bit different ways of of treating uh, this, uh, you know, cheating on a spouse in different cultures in wrestling, I guess. Yes, indeed. Uh, and to, hey, to link those two things back together, ROH in Japan and Taka and Zack Saber Jr. Did you hear a match announced for the uh, one of the new ROH shows coming up? Is going to be Jonathan Gresham and Zack Saber Jr. Whoa! Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the, for the final battle, right? That yeah. should be amazing. Uh, you know, dude. I've said before <laughs> how much I'm a big fan of Jonathan Gresham, the octopus. He's honestly one of the best, like actual uh, mat technicians and grapplers going today. And obviously, Zack Saber is like a fucking magician when it comes to that shit. So, I um, I'm, I'm quite salivating at the prospect of of that match. It should be amazing. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was just Dave speculating, but that would be on the final battle card. But yeah, that's what he announced. And it looks like it's going to be a really good show. Uh, not only is that on the show, uh, it's going to be fucking the Jeff Cobb and Adam Page. So, or not Adam Page. Yeah, Adam Page. I almost said Adam Cole. Adam Page for the world title. So, uh, damn it, I can't talk today. <laughs> not for the world title. For the television title. Holy shit, slow down, Jeremy. So wow. Jeff Cobb, my buddy, fucking amazing. Um, definitely running roughshod over ROH. It's like been a long time coming for him to be in one of the major, you know, independent companies. And I just want to say congratulations to my good buddy Jeff. 
Yeah, and that that sounds like an amazing match as well. Um, the... Oh, and also to touch base on you asking me about getting him on the show, I oh, did yeah? reach out, and all his interviews have to go through ROH. Oh wow, jeez! So uh, yeah. I, I had no idea that ROH had that policy for the interviews these days. He big time me. <laughs> oh well, we'll uh, we'll get in touch with the ROH office and we'll see what we can do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I'll have. He said he'll have his people call our people. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll I'll get our people on that right away. We'll get. But uh, yeah, the main event of that show is going to be Cody and Jay, uh, Jay Lethal. That is not Jay Briscoe. And um, do you think? Cody wins the title back at this point, or well, I mean, the, ex- run... the expectation to me would be that um, Cody would not be going over because everyone sort of knows that um, Cody is no longer fully under contract with ROH and he's just on a date by date appearance type of deal. And um, you know, assuming you know, who knows, he can't win the belt. No, well, that's where I'm like, maybe you know, they're, they're doing a bit of something. That's going to surprise people, and then turns out he wins the finally wins a title because I mean he's he's challenged for that a few times and he got very very close and I think everyone really expected him to win it off of Dalton Castle earlier in the oh, year. Oh yeah, you're right. You're but right. then they went he's got the fucking ring instead. Yeah, they went sideways and oh wait no, Cody was champion for a spell, wasn't he? I believe so. You're fucking with me, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, tra- yeah. No, I I got a bit confused. No, he he was a champion having won the title um, the year prior. Um, and then, yeah, he sort of had like a, a couple of challenges to, to, to come back to uh, find to get the belt again for a second time. And, yeah, that was and when Then Dalton everyone... had it for a while and had to drop it because of his fucking back. Yeah, and that's why everyone thought that, oh, I guess Cody's going to be getting it again. And, and remember that thing going into the All In show? where um, Cody was going to be coming in and it was going to be ROH title versus NWA title, but then Cody failed to win the ROH title. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I, I could see them doing something a little bit of a surprise, perhaps, and put the belt on, on Cody and maybe he sticks around uh, going into the Madison Square Garden show, even though he actually announced, did you read that, that he um, was actually not booked on that show, weirdly enough? Oh, okay, then I... I... Take it back. He probably is not going to win that title. Well, that's what I'm like. If he's putting this out there, maybe it's a, a weird sort of thing on purpose where, yeah, they're trying to give people the idea, look, he's, he's definitely uh, not going to be long for this company. And then swerve, he's the new world champion. And, yeah, I don't know. Interesting to see how it goes. For sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of other interesting stuff with how the rest of the elite are kind of shaken out these days uh, as we – you know, go into next year where all those New Japan contracts come due again. A lot of speculation on, you know, a, a Kenny Omega and the Bucks going to be staying where they are. Are they going to be moving off into that New York territory? Who knows? And yeah, I think uh, Hangman Page is another key part of that. Apparently, he didn't um, sign a another ROH contract when given the the um, option recently, so it yeah, sounds like they're going to want to try to keep together. Interested in WWE is interested in more New Japan guys, so 
it's interesting to see how that goes because I uh, I don't with all the whole you know the angle they were pushing with the t-shirts like these are our last version this versions of the Bullet Club thing yeah um, <laughs> you don't think they would all leave at one fell swoop like they you know like Nakamura and all those guys did back in the day you don't think so right um I think WWE would love that if they could pull that off. Uh, at the same time, yeah. you know, I don't think they're getting all those guys unless there's some sort of assurances that they're going to have, uh, you know, certain creative freedoms and, and booking liberties and, and whatnot to make sure that they're not um, mishandled, as I think a lot of people would assume that they would be in that WWE environment. Uh, but, yeah, it sounds like the I, I think New Japan was really smart the way they handled this whole thing with Bullet Club to where they basically had these guys as the elite um, and then you had the OG dudes, and then we had that big angle uh, last month where um, Jay White basically joined up with the Bullet Club and is the new leader, and all of those elite guys are now officially ousted. And like so, yeah, Cody and, and Hangman and the Bucks and, and Kenny Omega are now no longer part of the Bullet Club, um, and, and they're just part of the elite, which is its own thing. So I, I think they've done well. They've protected the Bullet Club brand because I think it would look really shit if you basically had the heart of the Bullet Club all just leave and go to WWE in January. But the way they've sort yeah. of like separated them off, I think it's done well. And 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 while at the time, a little while ago, I was not keen at the idea of the Bullet Club just being, you know, Tama and and uh, Tonk uh, Lower and, and those dudes and Fale. Uh, I, I'm actually really hopeful now with Jay White as the head of the Bullet Club. I have a, a lot. Uh, I, I think a lot of that guy. I think is one of those few dudes that actually is a, a legit heat magnet, awesome worker. Like, is is great. I, I can't wait to see what happens with Jay White. And overall, as as much as like the Bucks and Kenny have like done all the stuff in New Japan, it's almost like I they've worked every one. They've done everything. I wouldn't be sad at all, honestly, if, if they uh, left New Japan and go to WWE or whatever. I don't think it's going to be that much of a loss for New Japan because you've got other dudes that are just waiting to um, take that spot. And to me, the idea of like a Jay White uh, being elevated into that position that, that Kenny Omega's in now is much more exciting than Kenny Omega just holding on to that spot for the next six months. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, well, there was also, I guess when Dave reported the other interest uh, in some guys, he mentioned that Jay White might be one of the guys as well. So I think it'd be best for Jay to stick around for New Japan for like a good mm. stint of time because it's only going to make him better and more interesting and more, you know, a better wrestler all around before he goes anywhere else if he even chooses to do so. Do you think that we're ever going to see like a a non-Japanese guy who goes over Japan and just stays there and never goes anywhere else, even despite the fact that he gets a bunch of offers. Like, well, I mean, I, we had that a lot in the nineties for like the big name talent for all Japan and stuff to where you had a dude like, like Steve Williams, who was just there forever and was just like, you know what? He's had I mean, a bunch of offers for WWF. Yeah. And that didn't yeah. go too well. <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> um, so I think that kind of thing's in a lot of the guys' minds. I mean, I think we do have a couple of dudes like that, like uh, Juice Robinson. He's a, an example of a dude that came from that WWE system. It really, you know, wasn't lighting anyone. You don't think he's ever going to be interested in going back, or he just gonna maybe stick at around some there? point. But where he is right now, I think he's another dude like Jay White, to where he could really benefit from um, sticking around New Japan for a, a good 
couple of years till he can really make his way on the top of that card and be one of those dudes that people look at and say, yeah, he's he's like the, one of the best in the world right now. And I yeah. think both of those guys are, are good enough for that. So, I, yeah, you know, you hate to see dudes that, that go too early and then they just get lost in the shuffle of the WWE system and then it's like what looked like a really bright career is just on hold. Like a good example of that, uh, two uh, Australian guys that had a lot of success in Japan in NOAA as uh, TMDK with uh, Mikey Nichols and and Shane Haste, who were just so great. And they were sort of right at that level where it looked like they were going to do some some stuff with New Japan as well. And it was like, all right, they're they're finally going to be really becoming top guys in Japan now. Then they go to NXT. And I have not heard their names mentioned in a long time other than basically being jobbers, which makes me really sad. Yeah, I I, I was always a big fan of uh, the C.J. Parker character because I just like the, the gimmick work. But he's really impressed me as how tremendous of an actual wrestler he is. Yeah. And the promo, the promo work nowadays, like – like some of the most realistic, passionate promos I've seen mm. in a really long time. So he reminds yeah, me, he's... like speaking of that that mid eighties NWA style promo, where it's like just a dude mm. actually reacting and, and being himself, and like just talking off the cuff. No and... catchphrase bullshit or not yeah, like not these scripted lines and shit like sort that. Of fun. Yeah. yeah, he's he's great. Um, and yeah, in the same way, I think Jay Jay White. Uh, who originally, to me, his his promo and stuff, uh, like they all sounded very forced and, and like that wasn't him. But I think he's really done like a 180 to now he, um, some of those promos, just those heat-seeking promos uh, are really good. And he sounds natural, sounds confident. He's just really turned it up. Just the whole package for both of those guys is looking very good. <laughs> package. <laughs> Total package. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, sorry, I'm immature sometimes. I apologize. I was wishing Stupid that we joke. could um, we could pivot on to some discussions about Lex Luger, but I don't think there's any... There's nothing going on. <laughs> nothing going on with Lex Luger in the current <laughs> news, sadly. No, sir. <laughs> Aww. Uh, let's see what else I have here. Oh, yeah. So this is just fun. Joey Janela... In, out with injury, but still takes time to be awesome. He m- recently made this video uh, where he interacted with uh, a movie star, a uh, wrestling star, uh, I guess Debo uh, from the Friday movies, or Zeus. And I don't know, did you end up watching it, or if you wanted to watch well, it now, you I should check I'm it out. I think I'm going to give it a go now. I mean, I'm a big fan of, of Zeus, Tiny Lister, like... I feel like that is one of, far, one of wrestling's greatest missed opportunities. Uh, the the real run extended run where uh, Zeus should have taken over all of the, the eighties. Yeah. Just watching ready to rumble. You're like, wait, no, wait, well, no, no holds barred. No holds barred. Uh, so much potential. Yeah. And then even like Z-Man. Yeah, when you showed WCW, up, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, dude, Z-Man. Uh, and then uh, he was like teamed up with like the dungeon of doom. Like, I love that jam. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just watching this now. Joey looks so sad. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, uh, Zeus uh, stole Joey Janela's wallet. He stole his money. Yeah, he's talking about it's Friday. And he goes, my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> Great. 
great. I, I look forward to the developing feud between uh, Zeus and Joey Janela in 2018. Yeah. Dude, if they end up having a match and he wrestles him as Demo and not as Zeus, <laughs> oh my god, that would be so great. Oh man, fantastic. It's not like he has to bump or anything. Joey should just run into a couple shoulder blocks and shit. It'd be pretty cool. Man, I um, often complain about uh, Bruce Pritchard in general, uh, but one of the few highlights <laughs> of his show, I mean, I like Conrad That's Thompson. Great way to start yeah, well, it was, they actually had like a, a, you know, how they sort of run down the shows and stuff. They basically had a whole episode yeah. where they just talked about Tiny Lister, just <laughs> from him actually getting into WWF and like the amount that they had to produce him and just how like every little thing had to run through with him like a million times and just how difficult to work with he was. And it was actually an amazing episode. So one of the few things that I can, you know, say good things about uh, Bruce Pritchard from. What happened when? <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't like to bury things, you know, I'm a very positive person. No, no, I, I, I like, I like the show. I always listen to it on uh, any plane flights. I always listen to that show. Hmm. Because mm. I could just sit and relax and listen to two guys bullshit about wrestling, and it originally aggravated the shit out of me how that uh, Bruce originally gave no information whatsoever when they first started the show. Mm. It was like pulling teeth to get anything out of him. Now oh, yeah. he just talks up, you know, talks up the storm. But and like everything is to a podcast like... where the subject matter is not actually discussed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It was kind of they they really had their shtick going where it was like Conrad just like really pushing him and making that he's making out that he's getting more more out of Bruce than Bruce is comfortable uh letting go. But then I mean he'd, he'd yeah. be more open, but then there was like almost like just the the shtick of like, all right, so here's how he's going to put over Vince and uh, the WWF office and say about how great everyone is and defend them to the nth degree on every single situation. Uh, or Triple H kissing his butt repeatedly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, one of my, I did quite enjoy on that um, that Jerry Jarrett interview where he had his rebuttal because you know how Bruce Pritchard constantly is is burying Jerry Jarrett on that show. Well, first you take the chicken, and then you take yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's it's sad that like a lot of people don't know that much about Jerry Jarrett, but they just listen to this piece of shit Bruce Pritchard bury him, and it's like oh, this weird out of touch old man, ha ha ha. But it's like Jerry Jarrett is is one of the greatest uh, legends, uh, bookers, uh, promoters in in wrestling history. Uh, just it contributed so much more to wrestling than a dude like Bruce Pritchard has. And, yeah, hearing his, his rebuttal to all of this shit from, um, from uh, Pritchard on this interview that he did with, with Hannibal was definitely something to hear. I, I encourage everyone to check it out. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, it was sort of that, that time period when um, Vince was maybe going to go to jail for peddling steroids to all of the wrestlers in the early 90s. And uh, if he was, he was having to bring someone in to, to take over uh, the running of the business. And mm-hmm. uh, it was basically, who else you going to bring in other than, again, one of the most successful bookers slash promoters in, in wrestling territory history from Memphis, Jerry Jarrett. So Jerry actually but came up. But then Ric Flair saw him and started throwing chairs. No. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and he actually like yeah. lived at, at Vince's house for a while, and they'd um, talk over stuff. And I think Bruce just got very jealous that this dude was coming in, 
And yeah, Bruce had this bit where he, he basically confronted Bruce, Jerry Jarrett confronted Bruce at Vince's house one day and he's like, so what do you actually do other than just agree with everyone and uh, jerk off Vince's ego and, and blah, 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 blah. And then apparently Bruce Pritchard was just like stone-faced that someone would ask him that. He just had no explanation. I think it was Very just bold. like an errand boy kind of thing. He didn't really actually contribute anything. Um, and, yeah, Jerry was like, well, just letting you know I'm here, you know, in case Vince does go to jail. And uh, if he does and I end up running things, uh, you'll be having to find a new job. so that makes a lot more sense now as to why um perhaps uh, bruce pritchard colors him in in not so great a light in the the current day and age yeah for sure Mm, apparently he's on the outs with uh, mlw now bruce's yeah bruce was actually uh, one of the main producers uh or one of the main executive producers or whatever of of the show um but he's left and I think Conan is taking over his responsibilities because I think Conan was working there in with him. But, yeah, I read that uh, that Bruce is gone and a lot of the boys are not too sad about that at all. I haven't listened to the show MLW in Wiles, and I did hear that Conan is back, so I need to check that out. I, I kind of uh, have left my podcast, my wrestling podcast listening go by the wayside and been listening to a lot of uh old radio <laughs> i love Ooh. radio like real radio man so like yeah art I'm bell like... style radio <laughs> no 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 like like old school howard stern or opie and uh. anthony like you know yeah just guys talking bullshit nice. on the radio i um i was actually a big fan of art bell there before his uh his passing recently just his uh, weird uh old man conspiracy theory uh, radio. I do have definitely respect for Art Bell for sure. Like, oh uh, yeah, uh, one of a kind. For, and I just, you know, conspiracy theory and being creepy isn't necessarily my type of radio. Yeah, well, I mean, his was like because people say conspiracy theories and they talk, think like Alan Jones, like that kind of stuff. But like yeah. Art Bell had like so much more credibility than a piece of shit like that, you know. And he was more like, yeah, we oh, just yeah. want to hear people's different. Uh, you know, reports, uh, people's, you know, perhaps aliens that they've seen. And yeah, Yeah. he just sort of want to listen to it, but he wasn't necessarily himself stirring up this stuff uh, for controversy and for ratings and for all of that slimy shit that we we think of today when we talk about conspiracy theories. So yeah. That is a good clarifier. Mm. Yes, sir. Um, So, I mean, uh, anything else before we we head on to the the main event of our, our discussions? No, I think I, I'm about, uh, worn out as far as my material. Let's continue. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> hear that? Hear that, listeners at home? We're out of material. It's done. Yeah, completely. <laughs> Courtney will be so happy. She's like, I've only, <laughs> only had to listen to this show for about 50 minutes. And done. Uh, but no, the main thing we wanted to chat about today uh, was uh, the world of Australian wrestling is not always the most visible thing uh, to the, the viewers of the worldwide wrestling scope. Um, but it's getting more and more visible as, as we go. We've spoken before about the success of, um, of Melbourne City Wrestling um, and, and just the overall scene. You know, we've had Jonah, we've had Robbie Eagles, we've had... Um, uh, Brooksy, you know, it's like everyone's kind of really blowing up at the moment. Uh, but um, one of the the places 
that actually is uh, a bit of a sleeper is on Amazon Prime. There is this uh, Australian uh, wrestling show uh, based in in Melbourne uh, called Underworld Wrestling. And I I think a lot of people might just be going through Prime and say, oh, what? Wrestling? And then they'll just give it a watch, which I think is an amazing way to experience it. But basically, to explain a little bit of this, uh, the the dude behind it is uh, my my good good friend who I used to uh, uh, do a bit of the the wrestling with back in the day and and wrestle for in Sydney a little bit. Uh, Adam Bruiser, uh, he actually uh, came up with this this whole idea from a promotion that's actually uh, a underground fight club that is run by a cult that has, has been going on for <laughs> foreseeably hundreds of years. You know, this is about finally they're opening the doors to the public. And, and part of that is, is <laughs> these, these uh, um, Amazon Prime uh, television shows and, and the tapings where, yeah, patrons finally get to come in and, and be part of the underworld. Uh, now, we have some rules in underworld wrestling where every match has a 10-minute timer. And uh, if that 10 minutes expires, uh, so a big part of all these matches is the rankings, the points that you'll get for, for these matches, you know. So you'll get uh, X amount of points for a submission finish, X amount of points two for points. a knockout. Yeah, two points for a submission, two points for a knockout, or one point for a pin. And these mm. these points will uh, bring you up in the rankings, and then you get into title contendership. It's, it's, it's really cool. I like wrestling that actually, um, you know, uh, Actually, you know, wins and losses matter. It's, it's a, quite the novel concept. The other rule that's great is if they attack an official, guess what, buddy? All the points they've accumulated, gone. Done. Gone. Dunzo. Mm-hmm. Giving those officials a little bit of uh, credibility, you know. I like it. That um, was my personal favorite detail. Sorry? I said that was my first, my personal favorite detail of the rules themselves. Cause oh, yeah. Honestly, the referees hardly get any fucking legit can't get any heat off the referee because they just get their asses kicked. Like it's there. There's no real stakes with those guys. But the other rule, uh, I think you're going to go into it now is about after 10 minutes. What happens? Chris? Yeah. So after 10 minutes, um, the, the, the timer that is, uh, above the, the floodgate of the, the entranceway, uh, if that reaches zero, uh, the floodgates open and any competitor is welcome to join the match and potentially take that that those points from the competitors, and and you know this this competitor has got quite the advantage because they're fresh. They're going in after these two dudes have been fighting for for ten minutes, and they can come in and, and really take advantage and, and get themselves up the up the uh, those those rankings quite fast. So yeah, and if the uh, let's say multiple competitors come out at the same time, the referee's discretion is the rule here. That's why I was coming back to referee. You know, they are the authority figure. If they, whoever they see first up on that apron, they are the ones going in. So let, let's say you make it out there, you get on the apron, referee's not paying attention. Some other dude comes around, runs on the other side and says, hey, ref, I'm over here. That guy's in the match. We got a three-way dance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, quite the, the high concept here with this promotion. It, it's quite different, you know, because there's so much wrestling these days. It's great to see a bit of a different approach. Uh, also, the, the production you can tell that it's it's produced in a bit different way. Almost got a little bit of a, a lucha undergroundy kind of uh, vibe to it. Um, yeah, 
overall, uh, quite the the fun show. But yeah, I think my favorite part is the fact that it's actually run by a cult. Uh, this yes. cult being called the Claw, and we actually have <laughs> druids. <laughs> the the some of the best parts, dude, was honestly the the Australian crowd like not giving a fuck about laughing at shit or busting balls. Like at one point, they referenced how it's been going on for so long, and some guy in the audience goes, "It's your first show." <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That. Was, it was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, as soon as he said that, I was like, I was watching it with um, with my my good friend Mitch, I believe, and we were like, "Kayfabe, jeez, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was so great." Yeah, I loved all the people in the audience busting balls. It was good, but yeah, yeah I, I I love the overtop theatrics. Uh, the guy who represents the claw, I think oh, I've Mr. seen him in another wrestling before. Mark Mark Williamson. Yeah, yeah. Has he worked for other companies like on the Indies? Yeah, yeah. Another dude that I go way back with. Um, I've okay, had cool. uh, many, many nights of, uh, of of smoking with uh, with the man I affectionately call Dubs. Uh, great guy, great guy. I think he he takes a lot of inspiration for his character from uh, like what's his name off of uh, Deadwood. Main... Oh, I never watched that. Ah, oh, amazing. He's also uh, the main uh, dude in the new show, American Gods, which you can also watch as, as part of your Amazon Prime subscription. Good call. Yeah. But yeah, uh, man, I, just, I, I literally turned to my girlfriend at one point. I go, I, go, this, I think this is my new favorite wrestling show. <laughs> I, I, I loved it so much. I, it's I awesome. even, you you mentioned the one thing about the ladies match that I might not care for. I even love that. Even oh, though wow. it was like a short squash without with the vixen. Yeah, oh no, that I was, was like, the good one. That was the good one. Okay. Oh, oh, you meant the the the, the four other way one with, uh, on the episode two is maybe. Oh, I and didn't again, get that. Okay, good because you know I don't like to ruffle yeah, feathers the with this podcast, was, but at the same awesome. time, this this four way women's match on episode two was perhaps the worst wrestling bout I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the main event of the first show was between the two women was fucking great because I, yeah. I thought like I was really impressed with a lot of the shit on at the beginning of the show and then they, a main event was two women. I was like, you know me, man. I'm gonna be totally honest. It's not normally my cup of tea, but this was a fucking great match. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah Vixen I just, is. I really a, like that voodoo. Vixen's really a, a um, veteran. No, of no. The I'm talking about the main scene. event. Yeah, yeah. Main so, event between. Uh, was it Vixen and Erica Reed? It was Erica Reed and somebody else. And Avery. Uh, Avery. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Erica Reed, um, I, I know a little bit myself as well. Uh, really, really She's nice, great. cool person. And, yeah, her, her character is, is quite – I love how much she puts into the character, you know, to actually make it stand out from a lot of the other stuff from, um, from Melbourne Wrestling. It she kind of does like a awesome. voodoo – Voodoo. Her nickname is the Dreamtime Voodoo Witch. Yeah, it doesn't Dreamtime quite roll Voodoo off Witch. of the tongue, huh? <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but she's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did, was that the match where they did the, the screwdriver through the ear spot? Mm hmm. Yep. Mm. And I, I, when was this recorded? Because I wanted to know if it was like before or after your. Uh, Randy and uh, Jeff Hardy did that spot. Oh, well, that was actually a, um, a a bit of a badge of honor that they they did a post because yeah, their show aired the week prior to that Randy uh, match with Jeff Hardy where they did the same spot. So they basically yeah. said, "All right, yep." So uh, now WWE is stealing our spots. 
So we're, we're proud to um, to be innovating the the violence that you you see on your WWE pay per views now. Yeah, that part was gnarly, dude. I was like, oh fucking a. I was like, because I seen it with Jeff and randy but mm. the way that they did with erica and avery was even more brutal looking because they brought her up about the rope and shit mm. yeah i was really invested in that match for some reason so yeah they they definitely did it did it first i can i can vouch for that um, that's incredible yeah yeah very good um the i think my favorite actual wrestling parts uh, there's a few guys that i was actually really impressed by um one being pitbull so, I loved Pitbull, dude. How he reminded how did he me of like an Australian yeah. uh, Ishii, but like not as big. <laughs> All right, so that but makes yeah, sense. He's the best. <laughs> he's, he's yeah got this like cobber. All right, go to hit me then. He's like the <laughs> he's like the such an Australian characteristic, like or, you know a caricature of what you know what people in America would think an Australian guy is going to sound like and act like. Oh yeah, I'm going to fucking kick your ass or whatever. Like, ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, so and by the way, that dude... is a terrible accent. <laughs> oh, I thought it wasn't too bad, mate. Um, have you? I can heard do it way of... better normally. I apologize, buddy. Have you heard of Chopper Reed? Uh, the biker guy. Uh, yeah, uh, underworld, uh, basically Melbourne gangster, gangster. biker murderer guy. Yeah. yeah. So that is basically the character that um, Pitbull is doing. Okay. So there's there's a, a really, really great movie uh, just called Chopper uh, where Eric Banner plays Chopper Reed and he, mm-hmm. he put on a lot of weight for the role and, and took it very seriously, very much like a Raging Bull kind of thing and just did it amazing. And, yeah, the, the character that he was able to create and just the way he captured the very unique character of uh, Chopper Reed, Chop Chop, as we we like to refer to him in Australia, um, it was was really impressive, and it, yeah, Pitbull seems to have just taken that Chopper Reed character and just made the most out of it in in his wrestling character, and it's just bloody fantastic. There's no one in wrestling full stop quite like like Pitbull, and I, I love it. Big fan, he's way over with me. Yeah, just like a Aussie uh, hard man larrikin. It's it's fantastic. So yeah, uh, Pitbull was a, a big. Uh, I'm very impressed by Pitbull. Another guy I was quite impressed by, but I um I hadn't seen much prior was a dude called Jackson Kelly, who is the the uh, Bondi beach bum Buddha. Speaking of alliteration, there. <laughs> <laughs> is he that one that had the get to the ten minute time limit? He's the one with the with the the boot. Uh, for oh, kicking yeah, yeah, dudes they... in the head. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, that was awesome. Like, didn't even made fun of it. Like, can he get two matching boots? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Not> the commentary. <laughs> now he um he's featured a little bit more in episode two, and he he cuts a really good promo uh, on the beach of Bondi that he, he sent through for the next upcoming fight when he was in Sydney. And yeah, overall, I just I really like his his general um. You know, ring style, uh, his sort of promo character style, and yeah, his work's really, really tight as well. Um, yeah, one of the things that sort of brings me to next with the show, I guess part of it, they're approaching it pretty heavy in the first episode of it being like, this is, this is not your normal wrestling, this is, you know, uh, real, or this is a real fight, or, or whatever. Which I like, you know, I like that as a, an approach, you know, if it's going to be more of a 
gritty wrestling style. Fucking, I'm all about it. You know, because how much yeah. I love shoot style wrestling. But then the, the actual match where they're talking about this is, I think it was, uh, yeah, that uh, Jackson Kelly versus a dude uh, called JXT, who's a pretty big name in um, MCW. But I mean, JXT is probably the antithesis of like a realistic wrestling style, at least to me. So yes, it was. Well, I, uh, I first saw JXT. First thing I say, hey, that guy follows me on Twitter, yeah. and uh, he's fucking comes in. So the the way the show opens for people who haven't checked it out yet, it it kind of starts with like a gritty camera where JXT is like approaching the building and then finds some sort of production assistant and has an awkward conversation with her and then finds his way to the backstage. And I'm like, the whole time I'm like, what is this? But you're right. <laughs> JXT is like this super sports entertainment kind of guy, like a, a mix between like a, a Shannon Moore or a Jeff Hardy kind of mm. thing going on. Yeah. And yeah, and then he's going to be involved in this gritty underground fighting. But hey, it makes sense with the results, you know what I mean, of the first match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess it's it's like how much you're going to overall want the whole thing. Like, you know, do you want everything to be like a gritty, realistic wrestling style? Or is that just part of it or what? But I don't know. I just thought there's a little bit of a contradiction where it's like in commentary, they're talking about how, you know, this is this is a real fight. You know, this isn't normal pro wrestling. Right at the moment when he's given the dude an Irish whip. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> I did love that when Jack C came in the locker room and everyone just kind of turns around and stares at him. <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought that was great. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> yeah, the, the backstage uh, promos and vignettes and things like that, I think, are overall definitely my favorite part of the show. I, I like the overall concept of it a, a whole heck of a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess as they go forward, things are going to change as, you know, these sort of... Um, different approaches to wrestling go you know i might start out going this way and then you know go a little bit off i think every it's a it's a work in progress in, in a bit of ways but overall well I it think... was really cool because they have like they had that gino did the run in and then caused a bit of fracas and like dominated a bunch of guys and then they did the sweet angle with him like on there's a lot of interesting stuff going on mm. right out the jump you know it's uh, and the fact that they have a base around something that's already been going on then they're treating it like this isn't the first show there's people who already have points that they've racked up for a while because they've been competing mm. so i well, mean apparently it's Pitbull awesome has been competing there from the time when he was a wee youngster <laughs> so a good 20 not, years no, in the that, underground that's <laughs> Hell yeah, Pitbull's my favorite. Man. Um, it was the the first episode sort of capped off building up to the, the where Pitbull was going to be getting his um his world title shot against the the longtime champion of Underworld, Carlo Cannon, uh, who was actually a OG uh, Lance Storm graduate from the Lance Storm Wrestling Academy. I love his storyline too. He broke his back, but like he wasn't out there resting. They forced him to fight that whole yeah, time. They forced <laughs> him to fight. Great. But but now it's been open to the public, you know, and you got insurance and all sorts of stuff and now they won't let him yeah. fight because he's broken arm. So yeah, now we, we don't get the the highly anticipated bout just yet of uh Pitbull and, and oh. Carlo. So hopefully, so you know, when he comes back we'll we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought it'd be interesting to, to talk about because um, it's a unique concept, but also something so you know quite different to, to most wrestling, and you know especially Australian wrestling at that. 
And, you know, with these things, Australian wrestling doesn't necessarily have the deepest talent pool. Uh, I mean, the, the top and middle level, I feel, are some of the best going all over the world. And I'll, like, really enthusiastically endorse that. But at the same time, there's just a realistic, you know, when you get below that middle level, uh, you know, guys uh, just, you know, due to being isolated in different bits of Australia, not getting to work that much, being a bit green, uh, some of the work can be a little bit rough. So there are certain, you know, dudes and, and matches that you'll see and you'll be like, oh, this is maybe not the, the standard of professional wrestling that I'm used to. Um, Speaking but, of green, not mm-hmm. a commentary on his wrestling by any means, but the guy named Guac. I was like, guac? Like, it made me think of guacamole. Yeah, but me that too. guy <laughs> is a fucking. That guy is jacked. I am, and a jacked Asian guy with an Australian accent. Why isn't the WWE got this guy already? Oh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure they will soon. You know, as soon as he yeah. can do, you know, the fundamentals uh, well, I'm pretty sure he'll be, you know, in uh, heading up to that New York territory. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, bizarre Guac name. I don't, I don't understand why he is. Is he just really enthusiastic about guacamole? Yeah, guac is extra. <laughs> uh, yeah. So interesting stuff. Um, I, I highly recommend everyone give it a check out. Uh, they actually just dropped the, the first episode on YouTube for free. So even if you don't have Amazon Prime, give this first oh, episode. Oh, we have to tweet that bitch uh, out. Yeah, give it a bit of a, a, a little a little watch and see see what you think. If if nothing else, it's it's quite interesting to see just this this fresh approach, and yeah, just the the whole cult fight club thing is fucking great. Bravo. Yeah, yeah. The way they introduced when they started telling the storyline about how it's been going on for so long, I'm like, I am so in. I am here for this. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. I had a great time, and and uh, one of the the main. Um, heels uh on the show uh, what did you think of uh slade mercer i thought it was fucking great like he is a big tall guy mm-hmm. and i love how they uh put over the other guy with the vignette first so mm-hmm. it made like you know it looked like he was the featured guy so that made when slade came out and just dominated this guy it came off even cooler but yeah i dig slade mercer the mercenary yeah the mercenary the the intelligent monster uh, I, I thought it was quite well done. Um, you know, full disclosure, uh, my I, I go quite a ways back with with Slade. Um, uh, wrestled him uh, quite a bit uh, back in the day, and yeah, great dude, great dude. I, I love uh, love Slade a, a whole bunch. Um, and yeah, he was uh, one of the initial reasons, apart from uh, my other buddy Adam, who's the the main dude behind the show. Uh, with with Slade being a featured attraction of this, you know, I was like, I need to need to at least give this a, a go, see what it's all about. But yeah, I was I was quite impressed. Slade's a dude who, um, you know, had done quite a bit in the New Zealand scene. Um, so he's a, a native Kiwi, uh, and then moved over from there. Uh, actually, did a little bit of stuff in in California with some tryouts and things like that. And then, um, yeah, we, we got to know one another up in Brisbane where he was wrestling around there quite a bit, then moved over to the UK and he was wrestling all around the circuit over there, uh, sort of right before that, that point where the UK kind of blew up. Uh, so he was like roommates with Marty Skirl and like all that kind of stuff. Um, 
and yeah, a lot, a lot of success over there. And then uh, just sort of like came back because he had to with the visa situation and such, and then returned to that Melbourne wrestling kind of scene. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's done uh, really well, and, and the character and everything is, is coming across great in um, in Underworld Wrestling. But uh, we actually have an uh, uh, interview with the man himself, uh, Mr. Slade Mercer. He's, he's keen to come on and, and have a, a little bit of a, a chatski with us. Uh, All right. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get to find out a little bit more. Uh, about the the man, the mercenary. Uh, let's let's get right into it. All right, here we go. Should we kayfabe about how long he's been fighting underground? <laughs> <laughs> Please. It's like so he's been fighting underground now for how many years? Oh no, that was his first show. Yeah, right. Um. All right, so guys, we're back. Uh, after a, a nonsensical rambling that we've done for the past hour and a bit uh, with our, our feature guest of the episode. Uh, we, we just yes, finished um, speaking uh, about the, the first two episodes of uh, Underworld Wrestling that, uh, that we've taken a look at. And we have one of the, the top stars of Underworld Wrestling right here, uh, one of the, the main uh, baddies. Uh, I guess you you call it, uh, but also a, a dude that I go way back uh, with um, from his days in the Brisbane wrestling scene, uh, but a, a dude that's been all over from New Zealand to California to uh, all over Australia, UK, even a tour of all Japan re- pro wrestling. Uh, we have the the mercenary, the intelligent monster, uh, as he's uh, referred to on Underworld Wrestling, Slade Mercer. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. How's that for an introduction? That's uh, that, beautiful. Uh, was, that, was, that, was that rehearsed or was that just off the cuff? That, that was, was that was off the cuff, bro. Right there. And that that was only the best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you guys for having me. It's very exciting, and yeah. yeah uh, Chris and I do go back a fair way, so it's um, funny how things work out down the line, isn't it? It is. It is. No, it's great to have you on, man. Um, yeah, for those of you playing at home, I reckon I, from my, my wrestling days, which I always bury, just say that I was, I was terrible, but, you know, what? Well, it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> but uh, my, my favorite, I had two favorite matches. One was a, a death match against, like, my, my longtime uh, brother and tag partner, Josh Hayes. Uh, the other favorite one was a, um, a, a tag match that uh, Josh and I worked against uh, you, sir, uh, Slade Mercer, as well as Jade Diamond, the, the team of the uh, the Destroyers. I think that was the name we came up with yes. for you guys, right? Yeah. Correct. Uh, was, that, was that the one in uh, Beanley, the Beanley Tavern, was it? Uh, Logan. I think Logan Hall, whatever. Yeah, that was fun. That was such a self-indulgent match because I think we just went out there and we're like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to do like 35 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And and, um, were you guys the champs at the time? I think so. I think that was the one where we wrote me out of the thing because you you broke my leg, you fuck, with a baseball bat. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I know. Rude, right? Um, Yeah, dude. Like... uh, Back in, back in those days, back what, wrestling in Brisbane, um, yeah, like obviously we we're both a bit younger than we are now. Um, 
but it was just you know it was it was a great time like uh, we were getting good houses it was in that sort of phase where um you know roh and sort of stuff was popular and and, and so we were like oh yeah we can do all this kind of stuff and so that was the kind of you know matches we were having and, and the shows we were putting on and that was a ton of fun um mm. yeah uh and yeah working with jade that was fun uh yeah just yeah what a time man yeah i i particularly enjoyed that match because i mean sometimes the shows that we have up here i mean it's similar like then to now insofar as you have a split between you have like your sort of like wrestling fans that are there for like a cool kind of a a show like a, a adults only kind of a you know drinks kind of show where everyone just gets real rowdy and it's more like you're, you're in the know kind of fans and then you have your more like family show kind of things um and they, you almost dread those family show sometimes or at least i did a little bit which is maybe dumb i don't know but this was one where it was like a real you know family I don't want to say Aussie Bogans, but I mean, probably, to be honest, that's what they were. Um, but, <laughs> but I mean, we like, uh, they, they totally got into it. And it was almost like a, a throwback for me to like some of those old school, like southern territories that you, you see um, from the old tapes and that of um, where it's just like you get like a real heat for, from just the story of the match. And. I remember Chris, I, I must interject yeah. for the people play, also playing at home. Uh-huh. Might be not familiar with the term Aussie Bogans. Oh. Do you mind enlightening our audience? Oh, what, <laughs> do, you, what do you got for that Mr. one, Matt? Mercer. Yeah, let's, let's get yeah, Slade to tell this. You know what is, uh, that's correct, but um, I'll come back to that point in a second. In terms of what a Bogan is, an Aussie Bogan, uh, how to compare to an American audience? Um, like a redneck, maybe? I, I, yeah, not unlike there you go. Yeah, All right, that's 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 pretty close. Yeah, so someone who uh, yeah, he's um, they might even think it's real still a little bit. Correct. Yeah, maybe not the most intelligent, uh, but they're usually you know really hardworking folk, usually salt of the earth type people, and bit of blue collar. Uh, exactly. Right, yeah, cool. hardworking. You know, so mm. uh, we that you know in terms of Australian wrestling, that's actually a very big part of I think mm. who we entertain. Um, I, I worked the show last night. Down in Traralgon, um, which is two out. Yeah, it sounds exciting, but it's, <laughs> trust me, it's not. Uh, it's two hours south of Melbourne, and um, wait, two hours uh, south yeah, so, of Melbourne isn't two hours yeah. south of Melbourne in in like the water or in Tasmania? Well, I mean, like I'm saying generally here, I can't imagine okay. anybody's going to hold me to task. As my <laughs> Are we quizzing anyone later for geography notes? Is that what's going yeah, on here, Chris? Is, this is, this is, yeah, first question of the quiz. How far south was uh, my show on the weekend? You try to be as factually accurate with all stories of here on the show. Exactly. I wasn't aware that I had to complete a quiz as well, that I had to like, quite a quiz for your listeners. Um, but I, I will do that. So what was Excellent. going on down two hours south of Melbourne? <laughs> well, what what was going on is we just had this uh, the show, but it was just because it's a country town, you know, like that's the kind of stuff they get into. Like I said to my friends, I'm like, it's not a bad thing and it's not something to be ashamed of to understand that we appeal to a low socioeconomic demographic. And to a large that's part, okay. that's just wrestling, right? I mean, that's a Correct. lot of the history like, of our wrestling crowd. All wrestling. Over. Yeah. Yeah, like we're not a, a highbrow, expensive form of entertainment. That's not the intention. So um, people who turn their nose up at the type of people that attend a professional wrestling show or judge them or however, you know, that's irrelevant. Like that's not really the point of what we're doing. You know, we're trying to provide entertainment for anyone. 
Yep. Um, so when we talk about your match and the match that we had uh, in that sort of environment, you're like, yeah, you know what? Like it was kind of a family type environment where they were thinking, oh, you know, like very uh, WWE style audience, you know, maybe they won't get into it. But in the way that wrestling works and the art form that it is, we tell a story and people get involved and people then are into the match. So um, that's the that's the best part about it to me. Um, mm. being able to tell a story and being able to get people involved because like really that's all it is at the end of the day um, no different than movies and television but like being able to do it live and in person yeah it's very very fun mm. like the real sort of the, the pantomime side of it and like the I don't know there's something I kind of equate to it I've been watching a lot of like old Memphis wrestling lately and mm-hmm. I mean it's it's just it feels so much more honest like where we were in a real meta time with um like pro wrestling and indie wrestling and like the cool indie wrestling and all that where it's like so much as like a a, a parody of this and yeah yeah exactly um it's very self-aware yeah, yeah, for, yeah for real but then like you watch this this wrestling to where it's just like all it is, is is what it is and like taking these people on a on a emotional roller coaster and, and getting you know real heat on the heels and sympathy on the baby faces and then, you know, just a good old ass-kicking wrestling. And and sometimes, I don't know, you you think that, that that kind of stuff's a bit lame in this day and age, but it, it can be so refreshing as well in a weird way, you know? I'm not sure. Yeah, I see, I see exactly what you're saying. Um, because, yeah, you're right. Like, the words uh, cool and lame are probably best used to describe it, you know, because it's like, oh, I, don't, I like wrestling. I enjoy watching it, but I don't actually believe it's real. Like... For some people, that's like the shameful bit. But like, whether they believe it's real or not is irrelevant. Like, as long as they're checking the disbelief at the door, yes. that's good enough for me. Hundred um, percent. And and uh, it's funny you're talking about that because there's a product I only just got onto, and I'm really upset that I haven't been watching it sooner. Um, that someone got me onto was MLW. Yes. Oh man, that's funny. Um, our, our boy here, uh, Jeremy. Uh, actually, we we have a bit of a, a connection to MLW through this show. Oh, wow. Yeah, I used, to, I used to do a podcast on uh, there with Matt Farmer uh, on the actual podcast network uh, yeah, wow. called Indirific. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I'd never really seen or heard much about it. Like, and that's just me and my like bubble. Like, that's unfortunate, really. Uh, someone put me onto it, and the first thing I said was, "That sounds like Tony Schiavone." Yeah, and someone goes, "That is Tony Schiavone." I'm like, <laughs> "Yes, so great." Uh, so that is so, so like that hooked me initially because I, mm-hmm. I was uh, as a kid, I, I grew up on WCW, so the sound of yeah. Tony Schiavone's voice uh, nestled me to sleep many a night. Mm-hmm. So same. Uh, <laughs> watching MLW was uh, yeah, again a refreshing throwback. Like it's not insulting to the fans if that's what you're portraying. You know, you're mm. not trying to. And they're not—they're not going too far in like the way that Attitude Era sort of went, because that was when it got too much, and that's when they had that sort of push pushback again, because it was like, mm. no, I'm not going to believe that, you know, that so and so is dead, and da 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 da, and whatever. So he fed him his dog. Yeah, choppy choppy peepy, that kind of stuff. Like <laughs> there, there's. So um, as long as they're not insulting their intelligence by by going too far, then it's okay. And yeah, I, I absolutely adored watching MLW. It was a great watch. Same. So, yeah, um, I've watched like so, the first yeah, twelve like, episodes, and I, I completely agree. It's it's so refreshing. Um, yeah, I'm I'm way into it right now. 
and just the, yeah, the overall storytelling. It's it's walks that line of kind of the two things we're talking about of where you can just sort of like have a, a wrestling be what what wrestling in its most basic way can be, but then at the same time doing some interesting storytelling storyline kind of stuff that's sometimes a little bit edgy. Uh, I think it's a great show. And they also got that elevated, you know, work rate that everyone likes these days. Like they're still doing like classic stuff as far as character work, but the in ring is still the high level that everyone expects. Yeah, like your Loki and your Shane Strickland and the Pentagon yeah. Junior Phoenix, all those kind of guys. Yeah. That's yes, exactly it. That's what I love. Like it's not just okay, it's storytelling. And then you're right, people naturally think, Oh, if they're doing storytelling, if they're doing a lot more character work, maybe the wrestling's not as good. No, not the case at all. And and that really is what I think wrestling needs to be in this day and age. Like in 2018, we can offer that. Why can't we have the best of both worlds? And there are people on the independent scene. Like when I was watching, it was like Joey Ryan. um, uh, Gosh, what's the guy? Uh, He's got a three name initial and he wears the uh, MJF. Oh God, what a character. Um, Oh, so good. And an incredible worker considering he's what, 22? I'm like, ah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, he's only been in wrestling for like two or three years and he's already at that level. He's, he's yeah, yeah, awesome to see. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Friedman will get, he'll get picked up like sooner rather than later, I'm sure. But, um, the, yeah, I, I adore it. So, and for me and my, and what I do with my wrestlers, obviously we can go back to Underworld and talk about that as well. But I'm really lucky in the, Melbourne independent scene where I get the opportunity to work a variety of companies and so I get to experience the different types of audiences and the different types of shows and atmospheres that promoters are trying to put on so I get to work a really super family show with a very clear-cut baby face very clear-cut heel uh, telling a very straightforward match where it doesn't have to be too ridiculous because we don't have to for that audience as well as we don't need to you know throw everything out and then ruin whatever else the rest of the guys have to do. But on the same token, I work a company like Underworld where it's a independent company trying to be one of those um, popular internet indie companies. So that style changes again. So I get the benefit of stretching my legs and, and doing a lot of different stuff. And um, it's very fun. Yeah, it's got to be refreshing. Yeah, we, we, I did. We just watched those two first episodes and the high concept is, I like that stuff. I it, sometimes it gets over the top and ridiculous, like when you have all this super involved angle stuff. But I think it's so much fun. It's just like, you know, we talked about refreshing. I just kind of want to, you know, stop and say, hey, this is not necessarily real, but I'm uh, suspending my disbelief to enjoy this super deep, awesome underground fight club ran by a cult. Like, like <laughs> uh, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> so good you're totally right dude um like there's some people don't want that you're right some people don't want to have all of that sort of um background around it but then people like yourself and and there's a lot of people that do want to have something to stick their teeth into they Mm -hmm. want there to be a background they want there to be a canon they want there to be all this kind of stuff that they can read and look into and and you know underworld caters to that and also has little easter eggs as a result for the people that watch and pay attention so um yeah i think it's 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 fantastic to be involved with like the guys are very exciting and the ideas they have and what's going on is yeah it's great to be a part of not to mention the amazon prime stuff is just yeah insane like um yeah i think when it when it all came about and i think it still probably does to the outside uh uneducated i probably draw comparisons to uh lucha underground but 
really it, it stands on its own two feet in terms of what it's trying to portray and do. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's quite, I think... it's quite funny um, insofar as uh, I remember when I was down visiting uh, you and Adam in, uh, in Melbourne a little while back um, and we were out uh, on, on the piss, as we like to call it in Australia. <laughs> And yeah, that, uh, layman's terms, we were indulging in alcoholic beverages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, was that what you were going with, Jeremy, when we sort of say that, or did you have a complete different understanding? No, no, that's a, no, yeah. I think that's one that's pretty universal. We know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> All right, so to uh, be perfectly honest, we've attempted to tell a story on this podcast. I think it's three times in this, <laughs> and it's a pretty crucial story as far as the subject matter of the show. We got Slade and Mercer. We're talking about underworld wrestling. So Chris and Slade, and everyone's out drinking. They're having a good old time, and the subject comes up of this cult running a wrestling show, and then go on. Yeah, so this thing was, uh, yeah, we were all out having a good time, and then Adam starts talking about, oh, hey, man, I got this idea, and it was like, he starts laying out the point system, he starts laying out the floodgate, he starts laying out the cult and the story behind it and his intention as to how he wants to launch it, and, and you know, like, obviously, this was a, not too long ago, only about a year ago, a little year and a half, so, like, living in an internet age where it's like, you know, things can get funded online. Like the reality of these types of things is like, he's pulling bits and pieces from everywhere to go. Like, I think I can do this. I think this is possible. Uh, and just boys having drinks, you know, as, as guys are want to do, you know, not unlike anything, they might fantasy book a show. They might, uh, fantasy choose their favorite teams and who they would like to play for. So like it's general banter, but to see it come to life, Mm. Yeah, and I mean, incredible. there's so many things like that come and go in wrestling, and so many lofty ideas that you get explained to you oh, from yeah. promoters, and like such bullshit that's like, oh, this is gonna be <laughs> changing the world of wrestling, man, and then it just never comes to fruition. And this did, and it's on fucking Amazon Prime. My yeah, favorite that's... bit is the 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 fact that it's been going on for so long. It's like there's already people who have points on the first episode, so you're like, okay, I'm already we're already rolling. This story is already going. You're engaged immediately. <laughs> Hundreds Correct. of years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, that, that's, Hundreds. That's like we're not. Yeah, you're not coming in on episode, uh, episode one for you guys, but as far as Underworld's concerned, it's been running for donkeys. So, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely yeah. That's absolutely yeah. Um, and 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 people want to. They want to believe. That's why, like shows like Game of Thrones and these types of things are popular again because, like, people aren't just going, "Oh, dragons," or "Oh, wrestling." No, they want to be involved and they want to be part of something. So, for people that are willing to, like you said before, check their disbelief at the door, Underworld Wrestling gives you something to really get into in terms of storylines, in terms of characters, and and another Australian slant. Like, there's a couple of things we touched on it briefly, but I can come back to it. But two things: one. 
the Australian style of wrestling, or what I feel at least is Australian style wrestling, which is a lot of just hard hitting and usually big blokes. You know, the kind of stuff that like the Australian sort of culture appeals to and, and likes to see. Uh, but also to the equality between the male and the female talent, um, which is appeals to the Australian sensibilities and also the sort of, uh, I guess, moral code or kind of direction that they want to take things in. So I think people who align with those sorts of values too will also enjoy watching Underworld. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it, it's just a lot of fun and it's something fresh and, and uh, it's it's cool to see because I have a fucking lot on my wrestling plate. I don't know about you guys. There's a, oh, a lot of content does? to try oh, to God. keep up with these days. So when you're wanting to is in what? some way fresh, you know? <laughs> the noise Chris made at <laughs> You're like, oh, no, oh, God, oh, uh. Not again. But, yeah, it's um, it's something different, and it's it's just great. And I was, I was telling Jeremy how much I fucking love the different characters, like, like Pitbull and, and, like, yourself. Pitbull's my favorite, man. Yeah. Oh, dude, Pitbull is, like, that's he's a great character for people outside of Australia to see because, like, when people think of Australian-type characters, like, he, he sort of fits that mold. And that's what I was saying there. to Chris earlier. Yeah, and it's not – and, like, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason, and he, he plays it to a T. You can't fault it. And so, like, that's, a, that's an easy hook. Um, we didn't have to get a guy who comes out and wrestles crocodiles and wears, you know, like a, a, a hat and calls himself Crocodile Dundee. That's too on the nose. We can do something like this. Um, and, 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 yeah, like, and you've also got uh, Mad Dog who's coming. Um, you haven't seen him on the episodes yet, but he's coming down the line. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, like these kind of characters too. So um, it's, it's very exciting to be a part of, as well as having these guys at the – at the forefront of the company who have a vision and they are clear in explaining what they want and how they want it to be portrayed um, is, is also awesome from a working standpoint. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for real. Um, and the the actual effort that's put into the behind-the-scenes uh, elements of it, like the actual production of the, the, the interviews and things like that, it's really well done. One of my favourite ones was on episode two, where they had the the referees going through the referee rule book. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's fantastic. More more emphasis yeah. on on referees and and rule books and such in wrestling would be great. But yeah, there are a lot and of little so, things. Well done. They uh, yeah, because those they know that there are they appeal to different levels of wrestling fan. You've got your base level wrestling fan that's going to watch um, and just enjoy the shows on the base level. And you've got people that want to know more. You've got people that want to dig deeper. The people that are going to go on the website, follow the Twitter, follow the Facebook page, um, want to see extra bits and pieces. And then as part of signing up with Amazon Prime, there's actually additional content that's available that way. So um, that's they're very aware of what they're portraying and how they're doing it. And they do do the little things very well. So that's exciting. Yeah, very cool. So everyone, uh, check out some uh, Underworld Wrestling. Uh, we've uh, posted the link to the debut episode that you can watch for free on the YouTube. And then, uh, again, if you have an Amazon Prime membership, uh, check uh, those episodes out. And there's also uh, other other levels of being able to, to watch the show and, and financially support um, that you can find on the, the website as well. So, yeah, really fun stuff. Um, I mean... Uh, so we, we talked about that. I mean, what else have you got going on in the, the wrestling uh, world for you at the moment, Matt? Slade? Uh, for me, 
Oh, well, uh, <laughs> for me, um, I've got I've got a lot of stuff going on locally. So um, as the mainstream sort of wave has picked up wrestling again, which is awesome, um, that means that there's a lot more interest, a lot more eyes, and guys are trying a lot more uh, different stuff. So uh, even coming through in between now and Christmas, I'm pretty fully booked. Um, That's great. Even to the point, yeah, even to the point where I'm wrestling on like a Wednesday and a Thursday. So fuck. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So uh, in between now and uh, Christmas, I've got uh, I've got another Warzone wrestling date where I'm wrestling Dowie James for the Warzone wrestling title. Um, I'll be appearing for Showdown Wrestling, wrestling against Sid Parker, who's a guy who I've wrestled a bunch. And oh, Sid Parker is rad. He's one of the the great. Um, not I don't want to say undiscovered because he's like pushed pretty well in a lot of the companies down there but like international wrestling fans i don't think would necessarily know his name uh yeah the prehistoric punk jurassic punk that's it yeah man yeah dude's yeah, right he was intense intense in the first episode see that's just the and uh, sid parker's fantastic i get to listen to sid parker showdown wrestling on december 8th um and then my the wednesday thursday shows what's going on there is um there's a new company or not not doing necessarily a company but they're a production company and they're producing a television series um, called One Fall. Uh, I've read about this for uh, the our public broadcast television that we have down there, right? Right, correct. So uh, the they're watching the stuff um, and they're saying, all right, cool, well, like we can uh, produce a television series. So uh, they've gotten involved with a university and the university students will be helping to produce and um, help to edit and film. And the episodes will be filmed over the course of three weeks and they'll be getting some guys over from Perth as well, like uh, Damien Slater and Marcus Pitt and stuff like that. Um, and those shows will be taped in front of a live audience and then produced for Channel 31, which is a local uh, free-to-air channel here. And so yeah, the way that you read like that, Wednesday the way that night. you said that was pretty great. You taped in front of a live studio audience. There better be a, a laugh track to the show. <laughs> I actually, just uh, I read the press release word for word. No, uh, <laughs> the, the um, so that's exciting. Like it's exciting to be part of something new and, and see that. And it's also putting me into a tag team as well. Ordinarily, I work a lot of single stuff, which I prefer, but. Um, it's always nice to, to have a little change of pace and do something else and work with someone else and do that. So that'll be fun too. Uh, so yeah, between now and Christmas, I'm, I'm, I've got a lot on. So it's busy and it's good. And it's looking like a good into the new year. It's very exciting, especially like Underworld Now is coming into their third episode. Um, Amazon Prime is really, really exciting. They're really just starting. They're going, they're a little bit behind. Like they have a staggered release with Amazon Prime to try and keep like, some exclusivity to their uh, own subscription service. So if you sign up with Underworld subscription service, you'll get the episodes before Amazon Prime do. Um, so that's the benefit you have by signing up to them. Um, and so, yeah, it's very, very exciting going into the into the next year. And to see, like, because also with the proliferation of other Australian talent overseas, more and more people are looking at Australian wrestling in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so 2019, yeah, is looking to be another good year. Yeah, for real. A great example of that is there's this fan, I can never remember his name, sits front row on the hard cam side of all of the PWG shows. Tim. Tim Tim. Tracy. Yeah, and he wears like a different uh, Australian wrestler shirt for like every every show. 
So if you look out for him in that hard cam shot, he's always like whether it's Jonah or, or Brooksy, TMDK, uh, or whatever. It's it's like he is he's bringing the world of Australian wrestling uh, to international indie wrestling fans everywhere. Thanks, Tim. I love Tim, but it's always like he's like I love wrestling so much that I love wrestling in a whole different country as my specific love. Man, he's dedicated. <laughs> it's like a fetish. Dude. It's like a weird, <laughs> yeah, exactly. weird kink. <laughs> it's wrestling kink. I'll get off for Australian wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Our wrestling kink. <laughs> We've My all kink got our wrestling the... kinks, you know. I like the rhythmic claps. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> mine, mine personally, uh, actually, on the note of wrestling kinks, is uh, a lot of the the shoot style wrestling I watch from the eighties in Japan. They don't have any commentary to it, so you'll just hear a lot of of gruff. Uh, like just the, the sounds of the mat, <coughs> you know, hard breathing, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, so Courtney will be woken up, you know, when she's having a morning nap or whatever, when she's got uh, back from an early start and she'll just like sleeping and then it's just, <coughs> <coughs> yeah, so that, that's probably my wrestling kink right now, I'd say. Uh, that's uh, not going to lie, it's pretty odd. <laughs> you know, tremendous story, by the way. <laughs> What are you watching over there, Chris? It's just grappling, babe. It's just grappling. Yeah, just some graps. Just a little bit of pro graps. Nothing weird. Yeah. <laughs> just Yoshiwaki, right, Yoshiaki Fujiwara schooling some some uh, some young boys. Nothing else. All right. Um, but yeah, on that note, I did want to make sure to uh, ask you about your um, that All Japan tour. And, uh, yeah, that was so exciting, man, when it happened. Uh, So Slade uh, actually went over for a tour, uh, first off for a show for Pro Wrestling Land's End, which is uh, run by Ryuji Sai. Uh, And then uh, following that, you actually got to work a couple of dates for All Japan Pro Wrestling. In my view, I think All Japan uh, probably has the greatest product of wrestling going today, full stop. A lot of people jizz over New Japan, but to me, All Japan is where it's at. Uh, grumpy Uncle Jun, Jun Akiyama is doing some awesome shit over there. So, I mean, if you want, tell us, tell us a little bit about that, you know, your, your recollections, the feeling of going to Japan for the first time and, and getting to work like fucking legends uh, over there and, and a dude who's like the fucking man right now, Kento Mihara. Oh, yeah, dude. Um, so, yeah, I was very, very lucky. Uh, so when I went over, I was over there for a period of about two weeks. And, um, yeah, you're right. The first show I worked was for Land's End uh, at Shinkiba. If anyone's been to Japan, they've probably been to a show at Shinkiba. Um, the, that show was great. And that show, those shows are... Uh, like an, an equivalent of a Japanese indie type show. So they don't have, they're not like an All Japan or a New Japan or a NOAA where they have their own dojo full of dudes. Like they, they make up their cards as a handful, pick and mix of various workers from other places. Uh, so in the two times that I worked for Land's End, uh, I've worked in multi-man tag matches. And one of my tag partners has been uh, Masashi Takeda, who people will know as like one of their, like a death massive match legend, Japan death basically. Match worker, right? Yeah. yeah, and obviously we're not working a multi-man tag death match here, but like <laughs> for people that don't know and like will only watch him in death matches, the dude is an incredible wrestler as an aside. Oh yeah, um, 
so like he can do all the indie stuff as well as like he loves the deathmatch so that just is what it is um as well as uh for example uh the third generation of rakito zone so he wrestles um so his grandson so i mean that's pretty massive he's always on the shows yeah um that was the son of of mitsuo momoda is it correct yeah um and so, and then after that, I went to the All Japan Dojo, and then I went on tour with All Japan over three shows. Um, and that, yeah, that kind of stuff is surreal because, like, I was trained in New Zealand by a guy called Rip Morgan, and he was the nephew of one of the Bushwhackers. And his path was through the American territories a little bit, and then with WCW, and then after that, he did some time in Japan before he sort of hung up his boots and moved back home. And like hearing the stories of what it was like when he was on the road with, with Japan and he wrestled all Japan as well as New Japan, uh, what he actually did uh, for the historians who care to take a look, he actually was sort of portraying a Brody-esque character after Brody had passed because the Japanese company still wanted somebody to play that character. Uh, even nowadays, you can see All Japan actually have a bloke playing a character not unlike him right now, uh, an Italian bloke, I believe. Uh, and I know in, in the early the 2000s, in, in Zero One, we had um, Sylvester Turkai playing the, the Predator, which was basically a, a Brody tribute as well. So I think it's been sort of a, an important role in Japanese wrestling uh, ever since Brody died, I guess. A hundred percent. And, and they, even like in the, in the terms of the actual uh physical traits like they're like the long curly hair and whatever else um so anyway the he was doing that um and for me to go and then do that myself and to think oh you know well like it's uh 2017 so it can't be the same anymore but like the way it is over there is it's still respected it's still how it used to be and so when we're going on tour we're getting on the all japan bus and like everybody's got allocated seats and everybody sits where they're supposed to sit and I'm sat up the back of the bus, um, so I'm one of the cool kids because that's the kind of respect they show to me as a guest. Um, in front of me is Uncle Jun, so he's one seat in front of me, so I'm making sure not to kick my seat <laughs> or do anything. Yeah, just a little bit, um, right? <laughs> right. And then to my right is Shuji Shikawa. So me and him oh, are sort of like sharing the, sharing the back seat and like the middle seat. We're putting like snacks and drinks and whatever else for the, for the road trip. So a couple big boys um, back there. Yeah, yeah, well, they got to put the big boys back there because we need to, like, you know, stretch our legs and stuff. Hmm. Um, and then to Jerry, he's a couple uh, rows down on the right-hand side. Um, and, yeah, and so everyone's on the bus because that's the easiest way for everyone to get around. And Was the bodyguard on the bus? The uh, bodyguard, I believe, you only work one of the dates. So for the guys that work all the dates, they'll just jump on the bus and they'll go around. Um, but if you're only doing one or two, They'll just meet you in the town more often than not. Mm, okay. So I believe Bodyguard only did one of them. Uh, and Ryoji only worked the last two. So he wasn't on the bus, but he came along um, and worked the last two. So I'm yeah, assuming like we, Bodyguard probably had his own Yakuza cavalcade to get there as well. Oh, well, that's it. Like, he doesn't need <laughs> to travel by bus. It's the Bodyguard. Him and Zeus. Like, they both do it. Nice. <laughs> um, Badasses too, man. They're so cool. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we get on the bus and we travel and, like, the – it's still very, very, yeah, like, the culture of 
of Japanese wrestling is still very much present. So, like, the bus arrives at the venue and fans are waiting for the bus to arrive at the venue. This is hours before the show. Uh, and they're waiting with gifts and presents for the for the wrestlers. I got given, like, a teriyaki chicken box. Um, this is the kind of stuff they give you. I like, give you food and gifts and stuff. That's um, delightful. What a life. It's amazing, yeah. right? Uh, I want a teriyaki chicken box. Jeez. Right? Like, yeah, like, I, like, I, didn't, I didn't know the person. Like, I just got off the bus and they were like, oh, here, please. Uh, Toshi, Toshi, and just shoved this box in my face. So I was like, okay, thanks. Like, uh, and then when I didn't know what it was, and then opened it later, and yeah, it's a full self-contained like lunchbox with chopsticks and everything. Um, so yeah, like, and then wrestling the shows, like the style of wrestling and the stories they're telling, like this tour is building for like their big hall shows. You know, that's the way they do it. They try and go to just the outer skirts at just outside of Tokyo and pull these fans along to come to the big shows that's why they do multi-mans you don't tend to see a lot of singles matches on these types of shows because the singles matches are saved for the big events um so you'll see the guys that are going to square off in singles matches clashing against one another in multi-mans and tags um and yeah being on the road with these guys and staying in the hotels and doing all this type of stuff yeah it was an incredible experience not to mention the the really cool part and the stuff that a lot of the wrestlers will always talk about in the sponsor dinners yeah. Um, getting getting taken out by the fans afterwards, and yeah, that, that, that's just a big part of the Japanese culture. Aside from the fact that they have that uh, status that they get to be seen with the wrestlers and tell their friends and photos and whatnot, um, it's also just part of their culture, the culture, the hospitality, that generosity. Mm. So, so, did you feel uh, a bit of pressure that you had to drink quite a bit on this evening, or you're a little bit, <laughs> you know, wanting to not drink too much with the next show, or? Where where did you uh, leave yourself? Yeah, yes and no. Like, uh, they, they, there was no, uh, it wasn't necessarily rude. Um, but, like, yeah, I did indulge in a beer or two. And, like, they just they just like to drink beer. And, like, to be fair, they don't drink in the same way that I think Australians drink or perhaps Brits or, or Kiwis drink. I'm not sure. Like, I don't have much experience with Americans, but I feel like, they don't drink as much because they tend to start at 21 versus 18. I'm not sure. Maybe that's just a, a preconceived notion. Um, but like when Japanese drink, they do drink a lot, but they, they only drink like small sort of, um, you know, handles or jugs. They mm. don't have massive, like almost one liter kind of things that we have in New Zealand and Australia. So like to have like one, two, three, four of those in the space of two hours is heaps of alcohol. For a Japanese person, they're having one, two, three, four of those in two hours. It's only the equivalent of one or two. So, like, you can drink all night, and you'll be you'll be comfortably pissed. That's what you see in Japan. You don't see guys like rip roaring drunk the entire time. They're just sort of comfortably pissed. Nice. Um, nice. That's that's the Japanese way to be just drunk enough, you know. Like, um, and so yeah, it was fun to be a part of because um, it's it's that sort of living life as a wrestler that seeing that what it's like day to day for these guys and 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 the respect that they show you as a wrestler like yeah okay like they're coming to the shows and i i'm not sure where the fans sort of sit in terms of whether they know it's real or not in japan because like it must exist at this higher level of intelligence where they know that it's not real but they're still supporting you and they still don't want you to get hurt and these kinds of things you know like Mm. Uh, very, it's still very, very sporting over there. That, that's yeah. the way they kind of see it. You know? it, um, it feels like there's more of a belief in what's going on, despite the fact that they know it's not real. But at the same time, there's just much more of a, a sporting contest vibe, I guess. 
to rent and and especially in all japan with the style and the way that they do it mm. um you know like that like we tease a body slam you know like like imagine that anywhere else yeah it's great um, i mean for all of so- our listeners playing at home i guess if you haven't seen much all japan it's it's a lot more of a traditional interpretation of japanese wrestling compared to like i guess the more westernization that we see in new japan so it's just more of a, a I don't want to say bare bones, but it's it's like just wrestling stripped back to where you're watching wrestling for wrestling's sake kind of thing, and it's it's great, awesome product. Hundred percent, and a lot of uh, and a lot of the all Japan's original appeal because they were started under Giant Barber um, way back was the fact that they were the land of the giants and they would always have the bigger wrestlers um, like, and so that's their appeal and they still have that appeal to the fans that sort of larger than life guys like Yoshiji Shikawa's and stuff like that mm. uh, like you Yotaku Yoshi's guys like that uh and who else oh uh, and even like your big gaijins like your Joe Doring and, and stuff like that correct yeah um that spectacle is still there very much a part of all Japan's style and what they want to portray 100 percent so yeah that's cool it's great to me that you got to go over for a company like all japan and i guess get maybe a bit more of that authentic experience than necessarily what guys get out of the new japan experience throughout all of my career i've always had that romantic feeling towards wrestling and wanting to learn in the traditional way or learn from people that know and then have been taught by people that know and, and so on and so forth. And, and the new school kind of stuff, like it's, it's fun and it's exciting and I enjoy that too. But like, there's something that just appeals to me about that, that sort of traditional way that it's always been done. So uh, that's part of why I initially moved to England because I wanted to wrestle on the camps. I wanted to go town to town. I wanted to wrestle in front of those types of audiences and do those types of shows and, and actually learn the craft in England that way. And the same went for wanting to work and wrestle for all Japan because seeing it and being in amongst that and the culture and experience it for myself and understanding what it's like. Um, yeah. It's just another sort of feather on my cap that I wanted to have as part of my career. It's awesome, man. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, just sort of like tidying up there. It's, it's really cool to like, to look at it. I guess in in the rearview mirror of like all these these different places and experiences, and I'm uh, stoked for for what's coming up next, man, and that that next adventure. But I did want to drill down and make sure that you tell our listeners at home uh, the fantastic uh, gimmick uh, name that you basically had uh, that that Ryuji Sai uh, gave you for for Land's End, where you were basically a giant tree monster. Is that right? <laughs> I am Groot. <laughs> yeah, correct. So, like, uh, the when he when he when we organised for me to come over the first time, and he announced it on the page. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm 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 six foot four uh, in my boots. I'm another couple inches. So even in Japan, six foot four is ridiculously tall. Um, and so part of the the shtick that he, he initially launched it with was like eyes. Oh, as big as a tree, he's a giant tree. So the name in Japanese is Kibokfutoshi, uh, which translates to literally to giant tree. Uh, and that that was it. Like, <laughs> and then and then and then like, 
but like the, in, in traditional Japanese way, like certain interpretations and, and meanings of words in different areas and things. So the word Satoshi can mean big or it can mean large or it can mean giant, which apparently means three different things to Japanese people. Uh, whereas in English, like they're just interchangeable um, for one another, really. Uh, and then, yeah, and then uh, I also had to like sort of remember, oh, it's not, uh, it'll be written as Kiboku Satoshi, but then they'll say Satoshi Kiboku because they actually you know, say things in the opposite to how they might write them. Uh, and it's also funny because, uh, again, in that traditional sort of Japanese way, people who watch Japanese wrestling, the fans will be like screaming out the wrestler's name. So, like, for me, it was Satoshi, Satoshi. Yeah, but like, it's heartwarming because it's like, oh, well, like, you know, they, they want to cheer for me, they want to support me. Uh, so, yeah, it was awesome. Um, and that was what he came up with, you know, like, it sounds funny and it sounds silly. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't even care. Like, it's whatever. And um, and it just stuck. Great. And people liked it. Uh, and actually, at the time, Chris offered to do an illustration. We didn't get around to sorting it out. But Chris was um, going to design a T-shirt for me. And we were going to put that out. <laughs> we didn't end up doing that. Well, I feel like with the the tradition that we generally have with the guests on this show, where I do a little bit of a a little bit of a thing, perhaps this this giant tree monster Slade Mercer art is finally going to happen now. Oh, oh yeah, that'd be great. For Russia, and there we go. Uh, <laughs> I can put, I can, I, uh, it can join the uh, the other piece of art that I have of yours that uh, the long standing Rise of the Warriors t shirt. <laughs> yeah, that was I've fun. Still got it. That was fun. That was uh, it's like a, a puma fighting a bear. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, still got still got a couple of those in the in the. Uh, wardrobe for for gym t- shirts and such. Yeah, I use mine at the gym because mine's in, almost in tatters. And uh, how old <laughs> is it now? It's like seven years old or something. Gosh. Oh man. Well, uh, next time I go down there or you come up here, uh, I probably have some leftovers. So I'll, I'll give you a freshie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How's that? That's a great result. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for doing the show, man. I had a lot of fun with this chat, despite our, a little bit of technical issues that we had there early on. Uh, anything you want to finish on, or any plugs, upcoming events, whatnot? Uh, nothing in particular. Like, I guess just in general, like, there's some incredible stuff going on down in Australian wrestling. So, like, for everything that I'm involved in, obviously with Underworld and Warzone and Showdown and. Uh, and one fall and, and all of these guys and and as well as the interstate stuff I do and, and all of the Australian companies like there's there's a real buzz and so yeah I guess I just want to send out an appeal to everybody like make sure you yeah just give it a go give it a chance that's all it is is like watch something like watch this first episode of Underworld like put some put some time in like yeah like we we've all got a lot of wrestling to watch but like this might be something that you'll enjoy if you like. Uh, I, I don't want to say if you like Lucha Underground because like Adam hates that, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like yeah, if you do watch it, uh, it's some exciting characters, some exciting stories. Uh, and for myself, uh, if you want, please feel free to follow me on all my social medias at Kiwi Wrestler on my Twitter, on my Instagram, uh, my Facebook, uh, and you can follow what I do and, and where I end up next. Awesome, awesome. thanks, man. All right. Well, finishing you, up, uh, Jeremy, you had an idea on how we were going to lead into the interview with uh, with Mr. Slade Mercer. Perhaps we could do it to finish oh. the interview. A little, <laughs> you a want little, to do a roll call? A little roll call. 
Roll call. <laughs> Slade. Uh huh. Presents. Yes. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> Chris. Present. Present. Yes. All right, we're all here. Let's do it. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. You Thank idiots. you, boys. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's take wrap this one up. Let's finish it on yeah. our uh, plugs. Yeah. I, uh, you know, you always check out the Twitter of at uh, Grown Men Pod. Uh, you can check myself out at uh, Chris Things as well as at Chris Things on the Instagram. Uh, where can we find you, sir? I'm at James Vanderbeek on the Twitter, at James Vanderbeek on the Instagram. It's spelled a little silly, at J A I M S Vanderbeek. So get at me. Indeed, indeed. Uh, we can also, uh, you know, check out the the hub, uh, the place that makes all this happen, Social Suplex Wrestling, the, the Social Suplex Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, a lot of other fun shows you can check out on there. We've got One Nation Radio, the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, Outsiders Edge, as well as Keeping It Strong Style uh, with our boy, the young boy, Josh Smith, and uh, other Jeremy, other Jeremy. All that at uh, socialsuplex.com. Uh, but thanks thanks again for checking out the episode, guys. Uh, hope uh, hope we're, we're still entertaining you. Uh, fucking, are we 13 episodes in now? Jeez. Goodness gracious. Oh, my. All right. All uh, right. But thanks, team. La- ladies Thank- and germs, get swifty. And, yeah, thanks again for joining us. Bye. All right. Done and done. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 